Good everyone, this is Rita Join and welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast, how to turn a passion into a profession. Today I have two Q&As. The first one is, what does it mean to follow your passion? It seems many people take it too seriously and end up not being able to support themselves with their passion alone. And the second question is, in 2020, how can I overcome the fear of public speaking? So let's answer the first one. What does it mean to follow your passion? To follow your passion means you need to go and create your own map, your own journey. So here's what I mean by that. You and I have been brought up in an institution called school. In other words, from the time that you were four or five years old, you were put into preschool or kindergarten. From there, you went to year one, year two, year three, etc. You graduated in year 10 or you graduated in year 12. And then you went on to either have a job or you went on to do higher education, which means you went to university or college. And then you stayed out there for three, four years. And then you may have done some masters or a postdoctoral degree, but you got a job eventually. So a map was planned out. So we knew once we fulfilled the, the uh, prerequisites of primary school or elementary school, wherever you are in the world, whatever lingo is used, then you go to the next step, which is high school. Then you go in the next step, which is a job or tertiary education, college or university. And then you get a job. So the, the path was planned out. When you're operating on a passion, usually it means you need to create your own map. That, that map of school, then get a good job, go to a good university, isn't the way necessarily, it doesn't mean always the case, that you go. So you create your own map. And you create your own journey. So what does it mean to follow your passion? It means do something that really scares you, that you don't know it's going to do really well in. Now, on the other hand, people who have followed the traditional map of school, uh, good university, good, uh, good college degree, then go get a good job. That is that they've stumbled on their passion. Some people love being a lawyer. Some people love being a project manager. It's their passion to be um, a customer service representative in an organization. And that is just wonderful. That's perfect. So following your passion means doing that thing that lights you up. Doing that thing that lights you up. I was with an, uh, speaking with an organization here in Canberra, probably about three months ago, four months ago. And there was a lady that I wanted to profile there. And she works with the, a, an organization called Communities at Work in Canberra. And it's a non-for-profit, or it's a profit, but they work with the community and all the funds that they raise in the community, they have like childcare centers and all this wonderful kind of stuff. And then the money that's raised, that the profits that are raised, so it's a social enterprise, they put it back into the community. So they have like a community pantry. They have, uh, and her job is for people who can't afford to buy uh, groceries. They can't afford to pay for their bills. They just, they're just in a, in a situation that they're stuck. And they come in and make an, make an appointment with communities at work with this particular individual. And then she sits down with them and she looks at, okay, how much income is coming in, if anything at all. She then uh, works out a plan to help them pay for any bills that are outstanding. She then gives them vouchers to shop at the community pantry, which there are vouchers, which there's no money exchange. They just exchange the voucher for you know, some fresh fruits. And, fr and she says to me, you know, I have my dream job. And it's like, that's just perfect. She said, I can't think of anything more satisfying, more fulfilling, more challenging, more emotionally sometimes, you know, 
exhausting because you're listening to people's situations, which is really sad. But she says, I've found my dream job. And so what does it mean to follow your passion? It means what she's doing in her role, what this beautiful person is doing, finding her dream job in the work that, that is serving her soul. It lights her up. She's making contributions, she's making an impact. She's helping people at ground, at the ground level, right? She actually sees the impact of the changes that she's creating in her community, like directly. It won't take five years, it won't take five months, it's like instant. She's helping people every single day. That's what it's like to follow your passion. Someone else is working on it. It takes one year, two years, three years, four years, 10 years to work on their passion to earn a living from it. Because the second part of the question is, it seems many people take it too seriously and end up not being able to support themselves with their passion alone. 100%, following your passion sometimes doesn't mean that you can turn that into a full-time income. For many people it does, for many people it doesn't. And that's why you need to create what I said at the beginning, your own map. Sometimes you have to have your full-time job and work on your passion in the evenings because it is your passion, because it's an outlet of expression for you. It's an outlet of contribution and impact for you. And so you learn your income in your day job and you have your creativity of your outlet of your passion, doing what you love best, whatever that might be, doing that on the weekends and after work. And for many people, they do that for a very long time until that passion overcomes everything else and uh, overcomes the income of their day job. And they then quit their day job because they can. And that's how you play it out. Some people work part-time uh, for a full-time income and part-time working on their passion. Some people do full-time work, full-time passion, you know, evenings or it all just depends. And sometimes some people just don't want to turn their passion into an income. Because by turning your passion into an income, now there's a different level of expectation and pressure on you. And sometimes it takes the passion out of it. <laughs> so, and you will feel the passion, but you know, there's a different now expectation because you now have to support yourself financially. So it really depends on the grand vision that you have for yourself. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, you ask someone like uh, Sarah Blakely, who is the CEO of Spanx, you know, her passion is inventing and creating things. And she's living her passion. She's making a profession. For it. I mean, she's a billionaire. And she wasn't when she started. She was selling fax machines. Before she became the billionaire, she was going door to door and selling fax machines and saying that she was getting her business card ripped up in front of her face, being walked out of buildings, all this kind of jazz. And so it took a long, it took time for her to build the Spanx and build this crazy idea that she's going to invent something and take up the big guns in the industry. I was watching a documentary about two nights ago and there was a girl, I can't remember her name, but you can, I'm sure you can look it up. She's on YouTube. She loved makeup. And like any other YouTuber started posting on YouTube, started posting, you know, how to do makeup tutorials, makeup reviews. She finally started her own makeup line and uh, she did 22 or 27 million dollars in 2017. So the point is that didn't happen overnight. That I'm sure if I were to have interviewed her and I let, let me try and actually set up an interview with her, that would be wonderful. Um, is to and the point is that once they get that level, they become so busy that they don't, <laughs> don't want to do interviews. But we'll, we'll uh, put that on my my list to to go out and and um, organize. 
And what happened with her was that she, you know, she just went at it and went at it and went at it and went at it and, you know, eventually started her own line and got picked up and she started building a following. And that's really what it's all about, building a following. So, and she said she did no advertising. It was all through the passion of teaching people via YouTube. But the, the 22, 27 million that she made in 2017 didn't happen, you know, straight away. It took, it took time. It took time for her to, for people to find her and build trust in her and familiarity and know that her makeup techniques work and they work for their faces as well. as so, so, you know, all of that, that has to add up and it takes time. So people do take it seriously. People take it seriously if they want to turn a passion into a profession. I mean, that's when they take it seriously. And not being able to support themselves, everyone's journey is different. And it's whether you want to have income be produced from this passion or you just want to keep it as a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with either of them. It's just, you need to just be clear on which path you want to take it. And if you do want to take it on the path of making an income, there's going to be some sacrifices required. There's going to be a lot of hard work and a lot of toil and no guarantees. And that's the risk you take because that's part of the journey. That's part of the map. Just like there's no guarantee, you can study really, really hard to get high marks to get into law or medicine, but you don't get those marks. And it does, there's no guarantee of anything. There's no guarantee that once you graduate from a law or medical degree that you're going to enjoy law or medicine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, what, what, what guarantee do we have? Zero. So the only guarantee you have is that you're, you have to commit to your own personal growth. And whether that is turning a passion into a profession or turning a, keeping your passion into a hobby is the only thing that you can make the decision with. So... That's my aid your cue. So the next question is, in 2020, how can I overcome the fear of public speaking? Oh, I love this question because it's just like, it's just straight my, I, I down my alley. 20, now, in public speaking, if you could ask anyone, what's the key to public speaking? As much as it's terrifying for some people, as much as it's exhilarating for others. The difference is just getting up and speaking as many times as possible. When Anthony Robbins started doing public speaking, when he started you know, doing his seminars, he wanted to be the best public speaker in the world. And he thought, how am I gonna achieve that? He went to an organization, I don't know what organization it was, but they said, you know, if you do a thousand speeches or 500 speeches, I can't remember the number, but if you do X amount of speeches, you will then be known as a professional speaker or one that knows how to speak. And then and he said, how many hours, or how many, time, how many speeches do I have to make? Or how many times a week do I need to come to this organization? I said, oh, you need to come with, you know, five or 10 years and, you know, clock up these amount of time. He said, that's crazy. I'm just going to go and speak wherever I can. So he went and wherever he could find a place to speak, three times a day, four times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner organizations, you know, volunteering organizations, people that would just meet up and they need a guest speaker. He would book himself and he would go and speak because he would get confident, he would get clarity on his message and he would get used to it. And so public speaking is nothing more than the more you do it, the more in the zone you become. Like the more, more in the zone you become, doesn't it make sense? The more in the zone you, like you become comfortable in the zone is what I'm trying to say here. You become comfortable in that zone the more you do it. When I speak, if I haven't spoken for a long time, I get nervous. When I've spoken for days, in and out, in and out, in and out, like days, and then I get up and speak somewhere like ad hoc, off the cuff, I'm like ready to roll. Because I've, like, I've, I've, my muscle has been built. The mo moment my muscle goes limp and I get really nervous, 
I know that I haven't spoken for a long time. But also nervousness and excitement, the only difference is your breath and what you're saying to yourself. If you think about it, when you're nervous, it's like, you're, like, it's like you're, your heart is racing, you're kind of getting sweaty when you're excited, your heart is racing, you're kind of getting sweaty. And then the words that you say to yourself and the pictures that you make is what makes you even more nervous or even more excited. So if you want to convert nervous energy to excitement energy, you want to say, I can't wait to do this. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm sorry. Even though you don't feel like it, even though you're scared, even though I don't know what I'm going to say to myself, because your brain will pick up the words that you say to it. Because nervousness and excitement mirror each other. The only difference is because the, the, the breath is the same. The, the hyper, the heart racing is the same. The sweating is the same. The restlessness is the same. The only difference is the words and the pictures that you make. And so if you can start saying to yourself, I'm so excited, I can't wait. I'm just going to give so much value. I'm going to educate so many people. I'm going to change lives. I'm going to make, I'm going to give an aha moment to someone. I can't wait to teach. I can't wait to get on stage. I can't wait to share my story. When you speak like that, that's when your nerves turn into excitement. Because remember the physiology of nervous energy and the physiology of excitement energy is the same. And all you're changing is the words that you say to yourself rather than, oh my God, I'm going to freak out. Oh my God, I can't do this. Oh my... You're changing that to, I can't wait. This is so exciting. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. From that, that's what you change from nervous energy to excitement energy and the pictures that you make. I'm going to smile at everyone. Everyone's going to be smiling at me. I'm just going to be just like crushing it. I'm just going to use that. I'm going to own that stage. I'm going to just go and change someone's life. I'm going to change someone's life for the better. And I'm going to just make someone's day. I'm going to make someone smile. I'm going to make someone laugh. I'm going to feel, make someone feel good about themselves. That's what you're wanting to say to yourself. So how do you overcome the fear of public speaking? The more you do it. The more you do it, the more you overcome the fear of it. Fear is not, is, is really, it's not nothing. Fear is just the unknown. I don't know how I'm going to go. And so if you can convert the unknown to doing as many talks as possible, what would you talk about? Talk about your day, talk about your life, what you've learned at work, what you've understood about life. Go and um, there are heaps of organizations, Rotary, Rostrum, uh, Toastmasters, um, and they all look for guest speakers. They all need their own entertainment. And they look for guest speakers and they look for guest speakers for free. So you go and you share a story, share a story about what you've learned about as a parent of raising kids, what you've learned about being in corporate, uh, share a story about what it feels like to be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, what, what it feels like, um, what it feels like to be scared of public speaking and doing it anyway, overcoming a fear. That's a great topic. I'm scared of speaking. I'm here and I'm showing, demonstrating to you guys today that this is what fear looks, looks like. Feel the fear, as Susan Jeffers would say, feel the fear and do it anyway. And so that's what you do. <clears throat> you can go and do courses. You can go and um, get a coach. And that's all good and dandy. But at the end of the day, just like I say all the time, the rubber meets the road when you, you can't hire someone else to do the push-ups. You've got to actually get yourself in an, in an environment where you're going to talk a lot. And if you can't muster the courage or muster the confidence to go and actually... Uh, you know, approach organizations who need volunteer speakers, then all, or join an organization like Toastmasters or National Speakers Association or Rostrum or Lions Club or Rotary, any organization that needs people to volunteer and you need to speak because that forces you to speak. 
and forces you to speak in an environment where everyone is learning. And so that's what I would say, like join an organization. If you don't want to join an organization, then just go approach places like right now, just approach places and get them to hire you, hire you, to um, book you in as a free guest speaker. And it's brilliant. You get to meet people. You get to challenge yourself. You get to speak. You get to tweak what you're saying. You get to work on yourself. You get to improve yourself. And that's the name of the game of turning any passion to a profession. So that's my ADL cue. So I hope that's answered your question, guys. If you've got any more questions about turning a passion into a profession, please email me at reader at unboxyourgift.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it, please share it. Please share it with someone that you know would find this of value. And if you want any detail or any clarification or anything that I've said, please let me know so I can clarify it on a future episode. I'll wrap that up, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, your time, your attention is so valuable. It's so precious to me. And I am truly grateful for you giving me your time and attention and having me take you and joining me on the journey of everyday unboxing our gift. Because my advice to myself and to you every day is that life is a gift. And together with each episode, let's unbox it. God bless.